Thank you. Thank you. Shalom. Oh, that was very poor. Let's try that again, shall we? Shalom. Shalom. That's better. It's good to be here this morning in this wonderful fellowship. It's interesting. I was just saying that my church back in England is a Brethren Gospel Hall. And this morning, it was wonderful because I felt I was back home. And I felt really relaxed and really partaking, and it was just wonderful. So I really thank you from the bottom of my heart. We really feel at home here, and what a joy it is to be here. We just got back a few weeks ago. My wife and I are missionaries in South America, in Chile. And so coming back from Spanish to English is another story. And then, of course, my wife was born and raised in India. My wife is an Indian. She was born and raised in India. She was born in Uttar Pradesh. And so she uh, was born up there, and then she went to school in Kodi Canal, and she went to Kodi School, and she lived there until she was 19. So my wife is Pakka Indian. <laughs> you know, so what can I say? But she has forgotten her Telugu, she's forgotten her Marathi, like me Hindi, Urdu, Urdu, Punjabi, like me India but my wife was 19 years, I was 15 years. She forgets, and I remember what to do. This is part of life, you know. And so we, we are very much Indian, and here we work in South America, so solamente in Españoles, and so I speak Spanish quite a bit. And then I spoke to a young lady, Judy, I think her name is, right, where she is from, uh, where she was in Manitoba. And of course, being in Manitoba, they speak German. So Habermann Deutsch auch verstehen. It's like a session of Deutsch. So I, I was also out in Manitoba, and we've been all over the place, and God has been so good to us in many, many areas. We work in Chile for six months of the year, and we work here in Canada for the rest, and we work amongst Hindus, Muslims, and Sikhs. And we, we go and we spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Muslim community, in the Sikh community, as well as into the Hindu community. And what a joy it is to see people who are open to the gospel, who are open to hearing about who Jesus Christ is, who's open to, to talking about religious things. And it's just been great. And I go into a Gudvara, not far from where I live in Oakville, and they made me an honorary Sikh Society member. So I'm also a good Sikh Society member person, whatever that means. And so it's kind of interesting and we go there, and we also teach English as a second language. So I was interested when you said ESL, because we have people there that are also learning English. And so one of the uh, priests that were there, uh, he asked me, please, can you teach me English? And so I've been going there helping them out. So it's been very good. And then in Niagara Falls, where we also taught on reaching out to our Indian community, to our Sikh community, uh, we went to a Gurdwara there, and the person was so taken back that he turned around and he said, you need to be one of our members. I said, I don't think so. I said, no, no, but we want you to be. I said, no, thank you, that's fine. He said, but you know more about Sikhism than I do, and you need to come and teach us about Sikhism. And I'm thinking, my goodness, you were born and raised in Sikhism. You don't know what you're talking about, you know? So I asked them difficult things about Guru Gobind Singh, Guru Nanak, and everything else. And they look at you and say, you know more about these people than I do. And I said, well, if I came and teach you, I will tell you only about Jesus. Well, who is he? Is he in the Punjabi religion? I said, oh, no, 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 no. Jesus is the Son of God, Savior of the world, born in Bethlehem, 
And so they look at you and they think, okay, tell us more. And I've had many audiences like this being able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in a wonderful different communities. And so for me, it is a joy. I was sent out, uh, commended from our uh, gospel hall in England to come to Canada to reach the communities here with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what a joy it's been. But six months of the year, I live in Chile. My wife and I, we work with the homeless people. We feed the homeless people. And then uh, on top of that, we work in orphanages. We work in five orphanages. And we raise finances for the orphanages. And the stuff that you see on the back here, such as the scarves, these scarves are made out of alpaca. And this is alpaca wool. They are the warmest ones. And these are just so nice that you can get on there. We can also handmade, um, what do we call these in English? Toques, thank you. I couldn't even think of the name of it, you know. And so um, we have these handmade toques, very warm, also made out of alpaca, old alpaca made by the Mapuche Indians. And these are also on the table, and we have all kinds of things, books especially. Now, how many have ever read Calvary Road? One person. <gasps> oh, two people, my wife too, isn't that great? So, Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. If you've never, ever, ever read this book, you need to read this book. This will bring you to a point where you will have a personal revival with Jesus, when your lives will be changed when we come to the place of being wanting to be broken so that we can serve him with all of our hearts. And this is one of the tremendous books that I highly recommend. I read it once a year and have done for the last 46 years. And I tell you, it is a wonderful book to read. How many have ever read the book Radical? Oh, one person again. And you know, this book Radical is also very important because it really helps us to understand how we need to be radical for our faith. Radical for Jesus. Absolutely tremendous book again. The Touch of the Master. The Touch of the Master. This is also a very good book on different scenarios of where we have been reaching people with the gospel. Bringing people to know Jesus. Debbie Mayerhoff, who wrote this, went to all the different OM fields and took a story and put it into a book. And this is what this is. The Touch of the Master. Highly recommend uh, you looking at those books and purchasing those books. All of the um, proceeds of these on the back here goes to the orphanage, which is just tremendous. I want you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy. I would not be a good Jewish person if I didn't read the Old Testament. The Old Testament is very, you know, I have heard a lot about Gentiles this morning and Jews. Do you know what? You're all grafted in. So you're all part of me, according to Romans 11. So you're all grafted in. No one is Jewish and no one is Jewish. We're all the same in Christ Jesus. And that is the most important thing, you know. We're not Indians. We're not Jewish people. We're not English. We're not whatever. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And that's how he looks at us. And I think this is one of the most blessed things that we have today in Jesus. I want you to look at verses 12 and 13. 12 and 13. And it says this, And now Israel, what does the Lord our God require from you? to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to fear the Lord your God, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and to keep the Lord's commandments, which I'm commanding you today for your good. And now Israel, let's personalize it. And now church, and no new life. Put your name there. 
And now, Steve, what does the Lord our God require from you? The first thing you require from us is to fear the Lord our God. That is not to be afraid of the Lord our God, but to look at the awesomeness of God. Look at what God has done. Look at the awesomeness of what he's been doing in our lives. Look at how God has been working every day in our lives. You know, so often we forget the awesomeness of God. We never forget the awesomeness of God. Why not? You see my daughter here today. My daughter, Melissa, has brain cancer. And she uh, went and had her tumor removed 20 months ago. The doctor turned around and gave her six months to live. Turned around and said, that's it, six months to nine months, she'll be gone. Just like that. And I asked him one question. On whose authority do you say that? Well, it's my experience. I said, that's not an authority. That's an experience. On whose authority? And he looked at me and he says, well, by my experience. I said, we have a God who's far greater and a greater physician than what you are. They gave her radiation treatment. And instead of just doing it where they're supposed to, they came down a bit more, and she went blind through the radiation treatment. She had two mini strokes after that. That's why she can't walk as well. They told her she would never walk again. They told her she would never see again. And yet we have shown you the mercies and the wonderful God that we serve and the awesomeness of God, because today she walks with aid, and not only that, she is now beginning to see and she has 30% of her eyesight back. How dare we say that our God cannot do anything? We need to look at the awesomeness of God every single day. Your lives, where we've come from. I've come from a Jewish background. I came from a religious background, but had no relationship with God. I came from a background where we would go to synagogue, where we would blow the shofar, where we would go and we would pray and we would keep on praying and quoting the Shema. And yet, there was no relationship. I thank God for the awesomeness that he would hold out to me and bring me to know him. The awesomeness of God. Many people fear God in the wrong way. They're afraid of God. Have you ever heard people say, don't say that, they step away from you, just in case God strikes them dead? That's how people react today. I lived in Rome, in Italy, and I went to the big basilica. And there they have all these flags in different areas where you can go and confess your sins. Well, I've never been in a confession box in my life. And I saw people going in, but I never saw them coming out. And I thought, where are they going? So I, in my curious Jewishness, decided that I would go in one. So I waited my turn, and I went in one. And all of a sudden, the priest turned around and said, Yes, my son. Oh, I said, Daddy, you're here. He said, I'm not your daddy, then I'm not your son. So then he looked at me and he says, Well, he said, what are you in here for? I said, I don't know. I've come to see what you do in here. Because I see people coming, but I don't see them leaving. He said, but they come in here and they confess their sins and I forgive them. Oh, Jesus, you're here. He said, I'm not Jesus, then you can't forgive sins. 
because there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. And he's the only one who can forgive sin. He was getting very high rated, and he got very upset with me. And he said, would you now leave? So I said, well, where do I go? Or do you push a button and the chair disappears? What happens? So he got out of his chair, and he came to me, and he showed me the door. And I see all these people on the floor, on their knees with these be little beads, and they're praying. I said, what are they doing? Well, they have to uh, say so many Our Fathers and so many Hail Marys and so many of this and that and all the other. What a load of nonsense. I said, that's wrong. Show me in the Bible, please. He said, what do you mean? I said, this is right. They shouldn't be doing that. All we need to do is confess our sin, First John 1, 9 tells us. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Well, he was getting very upset with me. So I, he just said, just go, 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 go. And so I got on my knees just a little bit to do with, with them on this stone floor. And I thought, oh my goodness, this hurts my knees. Why would you do this? So I got up and walked, and the nun at the door turned around to me and said, you can't do that. You can't walk. You have to be on your knees. I said, watch me. Let me show you again. So I went back to where I started, and I walked again. I said, you see? I said, I've already been set free by Jesus Christ, by his blood that he shed on Calvary. And I shared the gospel with her. And then I had to go up some stairs, and there was another nun saying, you can't walk up here. You have to come up on your knees. 163 steps. Oh, I said, I don't think so. I said, you know what? Show me in scriptures where it tells us this is what we need to do. And I said, the scriptures are very clear. If you confess your sin, not that you have to go through all of this nonsense to get your sin clean. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The next day I was having coffee. Actually, I have tea. I don't drink coffee. I had my tea, and these people, these two nuns and this priest walked by me, and I shouted out to them, Hi, how are you doing this morning? Come and join me for coffee. One nun and one priest wouldn't come, but the one nun came and sat with us. And we shared with her the gospel, told her what we were doing, and it was just a great thing. She said, Don't you fear God? Aren't you afraid of God? No, I don't fear God. I look at the awesomeness of God. I see what God can do. I see what God is in my life. I see what God has done in my life. And this is the most important thing. What has God done for you as an individual? And she couldn't tell me anything. So the first thing he tells us is to fear the Lord our God, to look at the awesomeness of God. Are you looking at the awesomeness of God today? We read this morning during communion time about the awesomeness of God. We went through several scriptures. This man, Jesus, the one who died upon the cross, the one who sat with sinners, the one who ate with sinners. That's what we're all about, so that we can reach the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are to fear the Lord our God. What does the next one tell us? It tells us to walk in all his ways. How can you walk in his ways if you don't read the word of God? Now, you are very fortunate as Gentiles because you have Ten Commandments. I don't. Just in the five books of Moses alone are 613 commandments, or mitzvots, as we call them. 613, you should count your blessings. 
And you know, before I do my bar mitzvah, I have to memorize 613 commandments. And when we memorize them, we have to sit before a rabbi. So if he's with my rabbi, I have to sit with him. And I get to 295. And he says to me, Shlomi, tell me, what's 296? Uh, uh, start all over again. That's why it takes us a whole year. I get to 319. What's 320? Oh, I forgot. Uh, what's 320? I know it's, I know it's, I know it. Start all over again. And that's what we do. And that's why it takes us a whole year to study for our bar mitzvah. For a girl, it's a bar mitzvot. And so we have to study hard to do that. 613. To walk in all these ways means we need to understand the Word of God. What is the Word of God? B-I-B-L-E. We all know what it means. Basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what the Word of God is. It's our basic instructions. Now, if you're anything like me putting things together and you read instructions, you always have one or two screws left over. And you wonder where, why, and where have they come from? I'm like that. But when we get into the basic instructions, it tells us how we need to be. Tells us how we need to behave. Tells us how to dress. Tells us how to greet one another. It tells us all kinds of things that we need to put into practice. And yet many of us forget a lot of the things that the Bible teaches us. Loving one another, caring for one another, being there for one another. Helping one another. These are things that are very basic. And if we can't do the basics, we're in trouble. When we're in Chile, and we're looking after the homeless, and we're feeding the homeless, we do over 400 meals every two weeks. And we do all these meals, and we give them a four-course meal. And we have a great time sharing a meal with these people. And sharing the gospel with these people. But if I don't do this in love, if I don't do this the way that God wants us to do, then it avails to nothing. That's why we have to put into practice what the Word of God teaches us. To look after the homeless. To take care of the homeless. To look after the orphans and the widows. To take care of the orphans. My wife and I go down to Chile every year and we take between us six big suitcases, 70 pounds each. We're very fortunate that we're able to do that free of charge. And we take Christmas gifts down there. We take all kinds of clothing down there. We take all kinds of things for the children. And we have a great time sharing this with the children. And every time they thank us and they say, please thank the church in Canada for helping us like this. Please thank the church in Canada for standing with us. Many of these children say, one day I will emigrate to Canada because I want to get out of this poverty. I want to get out of this situation. They say all kinds of things. But here he tells us to walk in all his ways, to help the person that lives next door to you. Reaching out, sharing. I remember one time being in the supermarket and all of a sudden, this lady with her two kids stood by the cashier and she shouted, 
Oh, my God. So I went and stood by her, and I said, excuse me, madam, don't be so greedy. He's my God, too. And she just looked at me. And I, she said again, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, the God that you've just called upon in a not a very nice way, he's my savior. He's my God. He's the one who saved me. He's the one I love. And you know, many of us are very quiet. We don't want to rock the boat. Jesus rocked the boat when he spoke. We need to learn to rock the boat and to speak up for the one whom we love. To speak up for the one whom we serve. Speak up, because that's what God is wanting us to do. That's why it says in Acts that we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the world. We need to be on fire for him. Everybody knows who I am, where I live. And one day, a young man got lost in the area where we lived and wanted to go to Osborne Street, and he came Asking people, could you tell me where Osborne Street is? Could you tell me where Osborne Street is? Nobody knew. They said, we know someone who knows. The religious man, Pastor Hawkins, he knows everything. So he came knocking on my door. And he stood there, and his opening words were the things that got me straight into action. He said, I'm lost. Oh, I said, praise the Lord, you've come to the right house. And so he came, and I said, where, where, where do you want? And he said, I want Osborne Street. I said, before you go, you said you were lost. I'm going to tell you all about Jesus, and I'll tell you that first. And I shared the gospel with him, and I went through the four spiritual laws with him. I shared my faith with him. And then all of a sudden, he looked at me with this kind of sorry look on his face. I only want Osborne Street. I said, that's okay. I'll take you there. And I carried on sharing the gospel. So after that, I turned around and I said, you know, today's the day of salvation. Would you like to accept Jesus? And he looked at me and he said, well, you know, I just want to go to Osborne Street. I said, okay. So I took him. Two hours later, he came back to my door. And he knocked on my door and he says, please, Pastor Hawkins, can you lead me to Jesus? I said, sure. He said, I went to Osborne Street to get drugs so I could kill myself tonight. And you shared with me something that I need. And I shared the love of God. You know, folks, we're not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we need to share what he means to us, wherever we are. Have you ever been on a plane and the, all of a sudden the stewardess says, in case of an emergency? I tell you, it's going to take more than that seatbelt to save my life on that plane. I have this urge sometimes to shout, pray, you know, because that's how I feel. But you see, so often we listen to what other people say, but we need to learn from the master. And here it tells us to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways. Understanding his love. Understanding what he means. And then after that it turns around and it says, and to love him. To love him. How much do you love God? Are you willing to lay down your life for him? Are you willing to suffer for him? Are you willing to say that's it? Lord, I can't take this anymore. <coughs> or are you willing to say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do for you? I was living in Turkey, in Istanbul. And you know how they come up in these Muslim countries and they call the, the cry for prayer. Well, I was in Turkey and they came out with the kind time of prayer in, the, in the, what they call the bazaar in Istanbul. 
And all of a sudden, everybody got down on their knees, and three of us stood at the back, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what we called ourselves. The next thing we knew, we were picked up and taken off to the police station. Why didn't you bow down? Well, first of all, I'm not a Muslim, so I don't feel the need to bow down. But you're in a Muslim country, you have to do what we do. Oh, I don't think so. So I said to my friend Roger, I said, well, Roger, I guess we're in for it now. So they put us in prison for six weeks to see if we had done anything wrong against the law. Because if you know the law of Turkey, Ataturk had changed that law and said that we didn't have to bow down if they are not Muslims. So I didn't bow down. Six weeks it took him to find out. Slow readers. So then after that happened, they let us out after six weeks. But while I was in there, I had a great time. They put me in a cell where the latch didn't catch. Probably thought they could trust me. And so I was in that cell and they went away and I opened the door and I went and spoke to the man next door. So I said, hi, how are you? He said, I only speak German. I'm from, I'm from Germany. I'm a Turk from Germany. I said, ja, ich kann auf Deutsch verstehen. Sprechst du sehr schön auf Deutsch? Ja, ich kann sehr gut auf Deutsch sprechen. Ah, sehr gut. So he's speaking of Deutsch. I spoke German with him, and I told him all about Jesus. And he asked me while I was here. I said, because I didn't bow down when they did the call to pray. Oh, he said, these people are terrible. He said, they will do anything to get people in prison. I said, what are you in here for? He said, I'm in here because I broke the law. Ah, but then you're here justifiably. I'm not. And so we started talking. I said, there was a man who died. His name is Jesus. He died unjustifiably. Why? Because he claimed to be the Son of God. You know him as a prophet. I know him as the Son of God. I said, in fact, let's look at that, shall we? And we looked at that. Well, then after that, he said, you know, I don't think I need to know anymore. So I went to the man next door. I said, hi, how are you today? He said, parla italiano, parla italiano. I said, io capisci italiano. Dove tu imparare l'italiano? And so I began to speak Italiano with him. And I had a great time sharing with him too. And then I says to him, do you know, you're here justifiably, I'm not. Jesus died unjustifiably. I said, but let me tell you something. The Bible tells us very clearly. I said, in fact, let's look at the Quran. In the Quran, in the book of Mary, it says that Mary would have a son and no man has touched her. I said, so therefore, where did that prophet come from, as you call him? Well, from God. Ah, so therefore, Jesus, Isa, is the son of God. So we began to share that. Then I went back to my cell because we heard they were coming with lunch. So I closed the door. They pushed the lunch under. I had my lunch. I pushed the tray back. They took it away, and I went out for another walk. And I went to the third man. I said, hi, how are you today? No English. I'm here. And so he began to speak French, and I began to share the same thing with him. And my friend Roger kept saying, Hawkins, you're going to get in trouble. Hawkins, you're going to get in trouble. I said, that's okay. And I began to share and tell people, am I willing to die for the gospel? Absolutely. My own family rejected me. My own family had a burial service for me. I'm dead to my family. Why? Because I follow Yeshua, the son of the living God. And here, 
Yeshua is the Savior of the world who reached out to this Jewish boy and said, Shlomi, come to me. I was in a Billy Graham crusade. Billy Graham read John 3.16 and only I didn't hear John 3.16 the way he read it. I heard, for God so loved Shlomo that he gave his only begotten son that if Shlomo should believe in him, Shlomo should not perish, but Shlomo should have everlasting life. I thought my friend David was mentioning my name. I said, shut up, don't mention my name again. He said, it wasn't me. So then I thought it was Mr. Burr. I said, Mr. Burr, shut up, don't mention my name again. He said, it wasn't me. I heard my name three times and it was God who was saying my name. When I look at things like that, how can I not love him? How can I not serve the one who saved me? How can I not serve the one who put his life on the line for me? Why would I not be willing to die for him? Just heard recently from the Voice of the Martyrs where, where Muslims have been killing Christians in, in Africa. We have Christians killed all over the world because of their faith. Are you willing to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to love him the way that he wants us to love? Not just when things are going your way. That's when we love him the most. Oh, look, everything's so rosy here today. How about when things are going wrong? How about when things are going upside down? Do you remember the day we had the phone call from Melissa saying that I'm in the hospital and I have a brain tumor. And this brain tumor is as big as an orange. If you'd like to see the size, I can show you a picture of it. And I said to her, you know what this means, absolutely. But she had her faith in God, and she knew that God would do something. And I remember my wife looking at me and saying this, everything is going to be okay, honey. Everything is going to be okay. Because we serve a God who is so awesome and who loves you. Why would I not lay down my life also for my Savior? I love him. But it says here not only to love him, but we are to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart. To serve him. To serve God, no matter where you are, whether you're at work, whether you're in the restaurant, whether you're going out, are you willing to serve him? This is something that's very important, to serve the Lord your God. We have different aspects of serving him. One of them is up here when we lead in praise and worship. Another one is when we are uh, doing different things with the church doing an outreach, ESL. When you're at work, are you serving him? Do people know you're a Christian? When you go to the restaurant, are you praying openly? I remember a young man when we all went out one day to this Christian restaurant. What do they call it? Swiss chalet? That's where all the Christians go after church. You know that, right? It's either Swiss chalet or Tim Hortons, one or the other, you know? And here we went to Swiss Chalet, and I was asked, Pastor Hawkins, will you pray when the meal comes? And I said, absolutely. And the young man looked at me and said, don't pray loud. I said, why not, Tyler? My friend's over there, and they don't know I'm a Christian. Oh, you should never say that to me. I said, oh, really? Yeah, so please don't pray loud. I said, okay, I won't pray loud. The food came. Mr. Seinberg said, would you pray? And I said, sure, I'd be delighted to pray. Pastor Hawkins prayed. And Tyler looked at me and said, Shh. I said, okay. Father, we thank you for this food. Father, we thank you for the way that you provide for us. And you could see Tyler going under the table. 
So then Tyler kind of picked up his fork, ready to start eating. I said, put your fork down, come with me. He said, well, where are we going? I said, we're going to your friends. He said, what for? And I said, because you're going to tell them you're a Christian. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he went over to the table. And I said, Tyler, I think you have something to say. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I'm a Christian. Sorry, I can't hear you. I'm a Christian. No, I still can't hear you. I'm a Christian. And the young man turned around and said, well, I'm a Christian too. I said, so what you're afraid of, Tyler? Hello? Well, you just never know these things. So in other words, you keep your faith to yourself. They started a Christian fellowship in their school. And they saw many people come to know Jesus because of that. How we need to stand up. How we need to stand up and serve the Lord. Whatever it may be. I remember we used to have a love laws in Oakville Place. When I used to go in there, I used to talk to all the cashiers. I used to say, how are you today, Stephen? I said, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Well, you don't want to know. Well, yes, I do. I said, you know, not only do I know, want to know, but Jesus wants to know. Oh, he's religious. I say, oh, are you religious? No, I'm not a religious person. Really? No, I believe in a savior, not a religion. Religion can't save you. Jesus can. I used to do that quite often. Now, sometimes when I went in there, all of a sudden over the loudspeaker, Steve Hawkins is in the building. Steve Hawkins is in the building. And they said that several times. That's when we first came into Oakville. When was that, honey? 20 years ago? No, 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Amazing. And they all knew me. And all of a sudden, one would turn around and say, I'm going to go quietly. Oh, hi, Eileen. How are you doing? Let's go and talk. Let's go and have a coffee. Let's go and have a tea. And when we would talk to these people and share our faith. You see, the Bible tells us very clearly that we need to serve the Lord our God with all of our hearts. We see religious Jews doing their part. We see the pious Jews. How many have ever been to Israel? <clears throat> A few of you. How many of you would like to go to Israel? Good. Come with me next year. Let's go on a tour. That's what I do every year. I take tours. You come with me. We'll have a good time. And you'll see the Jewish people standing on the streets facing Jerusalem, facing into the, the, the temple, and they're praying. In other words, what they're saying is, look at me, I'm praying, I'm, an old, I'm a very religious man. Some of us say we go to church. Many of us say I go and, and I read the Bible. Some people turn around and say, but you don't understand, I'm one of these people that help in the church. But then when we're outside, we're very different. We keep it to ourselves. And the scriptures teach us that we shouldn't be doing that. But that we need to be serving him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, in, out of love, out of the awesomeness of God, out of the word of God. We need to be serving him. But notice what else it says here. Not only are we to serve him with all of our heart and soul, but then in verse 13 it says, and to keep the Lord's commandments, to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes. I'm commanding for your, today for your good. What does the commandment of the Lord say? Well, we read about it very clearly. Do you know what it says? In Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It doesn't say sit back. In the Matthew 28, he doesn't say, well, you know, would you think about doing this for me? He doesn't say, will you, will you consider serving me? He doesn't say, will you consider going for me? 
he says very clearly in bold, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we need to be doing that. The world has come to us here in Canada. Canada, the village. Toronto, the village. We need to be sharing our faith wherever we go. It's a commandment. Remember, I have 619 commandments. You have 10 commandments. Then you've got this commandment. And this commandment is the most neglected. Go. Maybe some of you have never been on a mission trip. I should take you to Chile with me. Come. I'll take you down to Chile for 10 days. Come and work in the orphanage. Come and work on the homeless. Come and help us look after the homeless and, and give them food. Come and help us with our guerrilla evangelism, sharing your faith as people are walking back and forth. Sharing our faith and what God has called us to do. But you see, in order to do all of these things, we need to know Jesus as our Savior so that we can share our faith, so that we can walk in the way that He wants us to walk, so that we can see the awesomeness of God, so that we can love Him and serve Him with all of our hearts. We need to know Jesus in a relationship, not just in a religious way, but at, in fact in a relational way. This is so important. We need to know him. How well do you know your God? How well do you know the word of God? How well do you know Jesus? The only way you get to know Jesus is when you spend time with him. How often do you spend time with him? Do you spend time with him? Or is it just on Sundays we spend time with Jesus and the rest of the week, well, we'll just coast along? We can't do that. You know, I love being in Jamaica. Because in Jamaica, we also have a great community of Christians that want to serve the Lord. And they're not afraid to share their faith. And we need to be doing that. I remember being in Africa where, where the, the uh, people from uh, Burkina Faso and from Zaire, they were not afraid to share their faith. And it's interesting because from Africa and many other countries are sending their people here to be missionaries here to tell us about Jesus. Canada is a mission field. But we need to know Jesus as our Savior so that we can go on to that mission field and to share our faith. How well do you know him? How well do you love him? That's why I recommend this book, Calvary Road so that you can really understand what it means to be broken, so that you can understand what it really means to have a personal revival. Many of us are praying for revival. Many of us are praying, oh, God, send us a revival. Some people think that the Spirit is just going to fall and bring us a revival. Do you know where revival starts? With you first, with me first. When I am transformed, when my life is transformed, when I'm turned around, that's when we get this Revival. And one of my heart's desire is to see a revival here in Canada. One of my heart's desire is to see people come to know Jesus. One of my heart's desire is to see thriving churches reaching the least unreached people in this world today. 
And the least unreached people groups are coming right here to Canada. And we need to be reaching them with the gospel. And that's what it's all about. So I want to challenge you today to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you today to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Use me. We can be used in many ways. Even as you look at this stuff on the tables here and you purchase something from this table, you know that that money is going down to help in the orphanage, to reach out to the children. Where can we reach parents? When we reach the children. Many of the children in these orphanages, they have very little. Some of their parents have not even died and they've dropped off their kids at the orphanage. Why? Because they're no good to me unless they're doing sexual favors for people and I get money for them. This is what happens. So we want to take care of these people so that we can put the gospel into their lives, so that we can share Jesus into their lives, so that they in turn can go out and tell others about Jesus. So whenever you purchase anything from us, it all goes down to help those children. So important. So I want to challenge you today to serve the Lord your God. And as we read this passage of Scripture, and now Israel, and now Stephen, what does the Lord our God require from you? To fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, and to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes which I'm commanding you today for your good. If we lived according to this word, this world would be a much different place. If we start living according to this word, things will be so much different in our churches, in our homes, in our lives. So I challenge you to get to know Jesus in a deeper way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come to you and that you know us. You know our names. You knew us before we were even born. You know everything about us, where we've come from. You know our background. You know our hurts. You know our pain. You know everything that we've been through. And Father, I just thank you that we can come to you knowing that we have a Savior who is Jesus Christ. We have a Savior who cares for us. We have a Savior who cares for the world. We have a Savior that wants to reach out into Mississauga. We have a Savior that wants to reach out to the communities around us. And Father, I pray that you'll use me, that you would use us to go out into this world and preach the gospel that our lives would be a light in these communities, that our lives will indeed be there with Jesus in them. Father, we thank you for this time we've had this morning. We think of those in the orphanage today. We think of those on the home, homeless people today. And we pray that you indeed be with them, watch over them, protect them. And Father, we just pray that you'll be with us that you'll be with us throughout this coming week, or you should come and call. Father, I pray you'll be with us in all that we do. May wherever we go, we realize that you are with us all the way and watching over us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.